This past week, there was a leak. And I'm not talking about the ones that come from Biden's demented anus. This one was from our nation's Supreme Court. The leak was a draft decision concerning the horrible legal decision that was Roe versus Wade. The leak shocked all of media and is one of the biggest stories on the planet. It would be one of the biggest victories for liberty of all time if the court sides the way it does in the draft. Why would I call it that? Because liberty isn't about choice. It's about choosing to do the right thing. In order to realize the concepts of non-aggression and volunteerism, one must set out on a journey guided by principles. These principles help set up the framework used to build methods, systems, and institutions. Because a life of liberty requires all participants adhere to principles instead of arbitrary rules. Rules can be used in all sorts of evil ways. We've all witnessed it over the past two years or so. They can be derived from no place of legal authority at all. But it's not the legality in question that makes a rule good or bad. It's the principles the rule was conceived and structured upon that make it just. Similar to how a human being is born neither good nor evil, but will prove his or herself to be throughout their lives. It's an ever-evolving and constantly transforming practice. And what is true to humans is true to liberty, because humans may take the shape and function of the world around them, and so can the concepts of liberty. Man has struggled his entire existence to come up with guidance for how to conduct oneself in life and with others. Much of that guidance comes from observations from nature. Nature will allow you the freedom to hold your breath underwater. But if you disobey or ignore natural law in that situation, you're going to be in big trouble. Throughout time, humans have observed the natural actions and reactions of both nature and man. The two share some unbelievable and striking similarities. But for thousands of years, we have tried to separate ourselves from the responsibility to adhere to the natural world around us. Our technology and our ability to reason has given us excuses to go against the will of nature. And if you've ever surfed before, you know how stupid of an idea that is. Just as the elements of wind and water can propel you towards the beach on a surfboard, they can take you down under the water and drown you if you don't respect the power that you're dealing with. Fire works in much of the same way, and the same would also apply to those seeking treasure in mines far below the earth. Is there any coincidence that the elements have a constantly evolving set of rules surrounding them? I don't think so. The basic principles of not sticking your hand in the fire as a caveman are the same as today regardless if you've made yours come on with a remote control. The only thing that changed was the added rules of not digging up the gas line by accident or forgetting to have extra batteries on hand for the remote. Knowledge isn't inherent for the most part, I think. But we as humans do have some pretty substantial instincts to avoid danger. We've developed those and gained knowledge through countless experiences over the span of our existence. 
The idea of self-preservation that I'm speaking of here can be compared to the practices of both faith and martial arts. Ideas passed through time, so we don't have to go to the ER every time we want to cook a hot dog. Liberty and its principles of non-aggression are very similar to practices in faith like being Christian or a judo black belt. In order to live a life of liberty, one must observe what is already known, but also apply it to the current realities and situations in life. It doesn't matter if you live in a world that looks like the Flintstones or Blade Runner, the concepts would work somewhat the same. The only thing that would change is some minor tweaks regarding the particular situation presented to you. But once you're in possession of that knowledge, it is your own personal responsibility to see that you conduct yourself according to the right principles or suffer personal or other consequences. When people talk about freedom, they usually think of being able to do whatever you want. But I think for most people, it's about being able to act and think as you would like within a certain set of parameters. If anyone thinks that freedom to do what you want includes victimization like murder or even genocide, you can probably see where others would object. You've always had the freedom to murder the unborn. There hasn't been much restricting you legally for decades, even up until they cut the fucking cord. But that freedom isn't free, and the price was genocide. Ever see those white crosses on the side of the highway? They're usually a sign that something tragic happened there. I saw one the other day that had a heart on it and said, Daddy. That one gave me pause. But if you think that's tragic, imagine a white cross on the side of the highway for every unborn child our tax dollars have paid for. How many do you think you'd see in your town? How about the cities? What if instead of billboards, Times Square was filled with just the ones from New York City? Would there be any ad space left for our corporatist oligarchy to propagandize us with? In my own personal evolution, I have lived and experienced both the reward for following the right principles and the consequences for not doing so. I hope that you think about this discussion and pass it on to all that need to hear it. We're a lot of things here at The New Prisoners. Political shit talkers, freedom fighters, but we are also proudly pro-life. Because liberty starts at life. You are listening to the New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter.
If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six, and I'm here with John Henry, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast. And on this, this week's show, we will be talking about uh, the Roe versus Wade decision being leaked, um, Dave Chappelle being attacked on stage, uh, a health center in a certain place that we're going to be talking a lot about today, I'm sure, uh, sued for giving expired vaccines. Hmm, I remember talking about that. And then uh, our last segment. Um, we're going to urge you folks to get your kids the fuck off of social media, please, please. But I'm here with John Henry. So John Henry, would, would, would you like to say hello to the people this week? Hello, everybody. I am coming to you from quarantine. <clears throat> yep. That's right. The COVID has gotten me for a second time been interesting you know the first time that i got covid was uh january of 2020 uh when covid was still only existing in china as we now know that is completely incorrect um you know there was a lot that we didn't really know at that time but um for my office that i worked at at that time um it was about 40 people got sick over a two-week period right And, and we remember even joking about it being covid um you know, and we called it the, the, the office plague, right? And, um, you know, I got through it, you know, I was, uh, was sick for a couple of weeks, you know, but again, we didn't know what it was, thought maybe it was a respiratory uh, infection. <clears throat> but I got to tell you, to have COVID now and having the, the knowledge that we have on the source and, and where it's come from and why and how, I got to tell you, man, it's... um. It's it's pretty fucked up. To, to Do you think. feel more violated this time? So much, man. Like yeah, so much. It that. is unreal. Yeah. That I, I'm like you know sick as a dog. My body's fucking killing me. And you know it's my own fault. Um, you know I've been as I said this before on the podcast. You know I've been around COVID positive people um, basically constantly for the last couple of years and haven't gotten sick. That I ran myself too thin. You know, as I mentioned, I was in the middle of a move. I was uh, flying back and forth every week on on multiple flights, uh, moving, working, wasn't sleeping well, didn't get too much sleep in the new house. And I just, I wore myself out, right? I compromised my immune system and I understand that. It's my fault. But man, it's like, as I'm thinking through this, like these fuckers did this on purpose. 
Like yeah. what I'm feeling right now, what so many people have felt, this was manipulated in a fucking lab, in a bio lab. Yep. And that's why I feel the way I feel. Right. And what's even more frustrating is my daughter's running a fever today. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it, it, it fucking makes me want to be violent. Like it, yeah. that there's so much anger in me. Right. And yeah, I want to heal up. I want to get better. But it's just, it's, I mean, when you talk about being violated, like I, I, I can't imagine at this level, right. I'm not going to compare this to horrific things that happen to people. Um, but it, it's just, it, it's, there's a lot of emotions, man. There's a lot of anger. It's a lot of sadness, a lot of resentment, all of these things, and, you know, to know that, you know, the, this illness that I'm dealing with right now was a, a total fabrication, you know, and then when you look at, at a global attack, if you will, and being part of it, man, it's um, it's really, really, really freaking frustrating. man. So, you know, right now uh, my fever's broke. Um, you know, I still got my cough. My body's still hurting a little bit. Uh, I do have an appointment for monoclonal antibodies tomorrow on the fence of whether or not I want to go get them because I do feel like I'm on the right side of it now. Um, but it's a frustrating thing. So uh, I do apologize. I couldn't be on the interview uh, with Priya last night. Um, but, you know, today I mustered up enough. I just wanted to be here for you guys. So a uh, lot of us, you know, a lot we need to talk about today. So I'm happy that I'm relatively capable this evening. So good to be back, everybody. Well, we're always happy to have you, John Henry. And uh, yeah, the, the interview went well. I think you definitely could have added a lot to it, uh, living in the area and understanding uh, more about the, the culture also, more of the language too, having to read through certain things. I'm sure I botched a lot of the names there. So sorry about that, everybody that listened to the uh, the interview. But if you're tuning in this week and you're wondering, hey, why are these guys talking like that now? Um, this is what we normally do. Uh, we are political shit talkers here at the New Prisoners, and that's kind of how we get things done. Um, it is effective, um, but it's, it's kind of stream of consciousness. So you're gonna you're gonna run into a lot of different things here along the way, and. Uh, you know, you might see some things that kind of make you scratch your head. And I, I like, I, I liked a lot of Monty Python uh, coming up. And I also was a big fan of George Carlin and silliness and things of that nature. So, and uh, also a lot of Dennis Miller too. I don't know if you noticed with the monologue. So, but we're going to, we're going to jump right into this week's episode with this. This is from the Gateway Pundit uh, by way of uh, our friend Guard Goldsmith over at Liberty Conspiracy, uh, because this was part of one of his write-ups on his Substack. Uh, breaking, Supreme Court Chief Justice releases statement on unprecedented SCOTUS leak, confirms its authenticity, and then launches an investigation. Oh, where could that possibly lead, though? Uh, well, let's see. So, stop giving me these little links. A thing? All right. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court reportedly voted to end... Roe versus Wade in a draft opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, according to a report leaked by Politico on Monday night. The draft opinion was leaked to the press, something that is unprecedented. I wonder if anybody's going to get arrested for that. Oh, oh James O'Keefe already said that. So uh, Now, of course, most assume the leaker, the leaker is a liberal clerk who hopes to change the outcome of the case. We'll see how that's going to go. And then on Tuesday morning, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, released a statement on the unprecedented leak. Roberts reportedly confirmed its authenticity and called for an investigation, as the headline said. Now, this letter uh, sent from the Supreme Court of the United States 
On May 3rd here, says yesterday, a news organization published a copy of a draft opinion in a pending case. Justices circulate draft opinions internally as a routine and essential part of the court's confidential deliberative work. Although the document described in yesterday's reports is authentic, it does not represent a decision by the court or the final position of any member on the issues in the case. And then Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. provided the following statement. To the extent this betrayal of the confidences of the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. The work of the court will not be affected in any way. We at the court are blessed to have a workforce, permanent employees, and law clerks alike intensely loyal to the institution and dedicated to the rule of law. Court employees have an exemplary and important tradition of respecting the confidentiality of the judicial of the I'm sorry, judicial process and upholding the trust of the court. This was a singular and egregious breach of that trust, and that is an affront to the court and the community of public servants who work here. I have directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation into the source of the leak. So, a lot of people are playing Columbo online, uh, trying to come up with, uh, and that was from Jim Hoft of the Gateway Pundit there, but um, John Henry, I'm sure you've been listening to some of this because uh, this is something we're deeply passionate about here at The New Prisoners. Uh, We are staunchly pro-life because liberty starts at life, Uh, but uh, I got pretty excited to hear about this leak, but then I thought to myself, you know, what could this be distracting us from? Um, that's been brought up by Gar Goldsmith in his write-up. Um, David Knight's talked about this. There's been so many great opinions I've listened to about it thus far, because it's sort of even old news at this point since it came out so early last week. But I'm really still kind of, I don't know, I don't want to seem too black-pilled, but there's still a way they could fuck this up, right? <laughs> there's still a way they could come out and say, oh, that's a, that's a great judicial decision there. You know, all their circular reasoning just makes fucking sense. And then you all just can keep killing the babies you know so john henry what do you have to say about all this one of the things that this has accomplished is it has exposed how much inherent evil exists in our world and in our country uh, to see these protests to see these things that are being said so flippantly about the the mass murder um of unborn children is it's so disheartening. It's so wrong that women specifically have become so casual about the death of unborn children because they are an inconvenience to them, regardless of their choices that led to becoming pregnant in the first place. Um, it's not immaculate conception. You made conscious efforts um, to become pregnant. So, you know... I think one of the positives, as ironic as that statement might sound, is for these people to be exposed to just how disgusting and how fucking dark it is. You know, the the only thing, there's there's one group being honest here, and, and this is going to sound really fucked up because it is. It's the it's the Satanic Temple Church group. Um, they're currently fighting this. And they're arguing that abortion is a religious ritual. 
It's ritualistic sacrifice of unborn children, guys. I mean, this is insane. The, the leak unquestionably is so wrong, right? And I do appreciate that the Supreme Court has stated they won't be swayed. Um, that they're not going to be intimidated. But man, has this exposed just darkness and evil like I, I've never seen before. I mean, one of the, the pundits, I can't recall her name right now, but she said that she would like to find the leaker, sleep with them, get pregnant by them, and then abort the baby. Said this on mainstream news. There's, a, there's darkness. There is a veil of darkness over our country right now. And this type of exposure to that, I hope, I could only hope that people are recognizing this. And seeing this and going, man, we are broken. We are a broken people. We are a broken culture. Um, that these people are fighting, especially in consideration of things like late-term abortion, where in Colorado, your baby can be born, full-term born. And you can determine that you don't wish to have that baby anymore and let it die without any legal recourse. Folks, that's murder. Your whole clump of cells bullshit argument is insane. Because here's the thing about the whole my body, my choice. Now, the other irony is, to that point, um, is it sure as fuck wasn't my body, my choice when it came to vaccinations. It was your body, my choice. And now it's my body, my choice. Well, here's the irony in that. Once that child is created, that's the child's body. Not yours. It's within your body. So it's fucking gruesome. Gruesome ideology. Gruesome methodology in, in the fact that they're willing to murder these children. And um, I do agree with the satanic temple. Not, not about their beliefs, but about their statement. That they do believe it's ritualistic sacrifice. And they're the only ones saying it. It's a lot of fucking darkness out there, man. It's a scary they're time. saying the quiet part out loud, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 at least being honest about their approach. I mean, the the rest the rest of the crew that's on board with all this garbage. Um, how about this? Instead of my body, my choice. How about two bodies, one responsibility? Yeah. Think of it that way. You're thinking of it in reverse. Like I keep saying. Uh, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. They always have to switch it. The satanic temple themselves. They always have to be the opposite of whatever the moral good is. Yeah, there what was a good. Um, there was a good video on um, Instagram, and there was all these doctors um, with BLM signage, right? Black Lives Matters, and they're kneeling, and a guy walks up and goes, "Oh, you support Black Lives?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's probably twenty-five doctors there, and he yeah. goes, "Oh, okay." So. How about all the black unborn children lives that you terminate? How about all the black babies that you kill? Yep. And Went over like a fart in church. I huh? mean, the, the guy, <laughs> you know, I, I give this guy credit. He approached them single-handedly and to watch that whole crowd of people go fucking silent. Silent. He goes, oh yeah, y'all have a lot to say until we talk about unborn black children. Oh man, some well. dark shit. You know who doesn't got a lot to say? Whatever the fuck this Wordle game is, I don't even know. I searched it, and I found it, and I still don't understand it because I'm not going to go there and play this game. But apparently this game named Wordle has swapped out a word 
due to the Supreme Court leak. Now, this wouldn't shock me at all because propaganda is very important to the global corporatist oligarchy. And uh, as we've stated before, too, uh, they offer you three things, indoctrination, incorporation, and death. And this has a lot of death related to it. So it's very important to them. Now, when we scroll down here, it says the New York Times, and this is according to The Hill, uh, the New York Times on Monday announced that the Wordle solution for that day was an outdated answer that unintentionally makes reference to the recent leaked draft Supreme Court opinion. Sounds like a setup to a setup, right? Regarding abortion rights. The Times noted that they changed the word last week, but said today's original word seems closely connected to a major recent news event. According to multiple reports, the game's original word for Monday was fetus. It came just a week after Politico published a leaked Supreme Court draft opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade, which is the case that established the right to an abortion. I would, yeah, maybe scratch that one, editor. Um, this is ent- entirely unintentional and a coincidence. Today's original answer was loaded into Wordle last year, the statement added. At New York Times Games, we take our role seriously. <laughs> was this guy wearing full fucking clown makeup delivering this statement, John Henry? <laughs> like, was he walking around with little shoes and go, you know, what the fuck? Okay. At the New York Times games, we take our role seriously as a place to entertain and escape. And we want Wordle to remain distinct from the news. It also said, well, fuck Wordle. I I really don't care that much about Wordle. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to affect my life. I don't even need to read the rest of the article. And fuck the New York Times, too, because I mean, the, the, the New York Times, they, they, they've sucked a lot for a long time. Now, Kinda speaking like of um, fucking people, oh. something I'd like to bring up right now. Oh, this is a new segment. And I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This on, on this week's segment of fuck that guy. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things that we've said here on the show is that uh, there's some things that we find to be really positive about Elon Musk's actions. And, you know, our hope is certainly that he was a freedom fighter, um, that he wants to do the right thing. But this week it comes out with the whole entire uh, release of the Roe versus Wade information that Elon Musk will pay Tesla employees $5,000 to travel out of state to get an abortion. If they're not able to get one in state, oh, you already have it. Oh, you know, we don't even need to speak about these things, John Henry. We just <laughs> always not. know that we're going to be talking about well, them. folks. By the way, this was kind of a last minute thing to drag my ass out of bed. So <laughs> there are no coincidences, folks. Uh, yeah, I've accepted it, but it was just something on my mind. So what's your thoughts, man? Well, um, I think that we gave Elon the best benefit of the doubt last week that we possibly could have. We took an hour and delved into his college career, uh, his good friends from there, um, what the fuck they're up to, um, his weird ass ex-girlfriend, um, who is, we've determined was an anime scene girl. So, I mean, I could forgive him a little bit for that even, but um, between all of the sending mRNA um, printers to a town near you everywhere, um, 
And on top of that, just being part of like the regular, like there's really nothing that different about him other than the views that he expresses on Twitter sometimes, not even all the time. Uh, sometimes he says some pretty fucking stupid things too. But, um, you know, to me, I think after giving him all of that benefit of the doubt last week, he shat the bed. Um, he, he is officially, um, not a friend of Liberty in my opinion. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid about that at this point. Uh, I think that this just proves that, uh, what he's offering to people is more of the brave new world form of authoritarianism than the 1984 kind. And, and that just seems so nice because when you're used to having the shit beat out of you every day, some guy that's just going to beat the shit out of you a little bit less seems like a really fucking nice guy. You know, it's just, it's an insane proposition, but it works. Um, It's a sick behavioral science type of thing. And I think there's a lot more behind it than just him even, because when you look at who the fuck else he's, he's lined up with here, let's delve into it. Tesla, this is from market watch Tesla to cover abortion travel costs. Like you said, John Henry for employees joining along with Amazon and Yelp too. Well, that's minus five stars for you, Yelp. And here's the son of a bitch himself with his fake ass cowboy hat on being a fake cowboy and his stupid fucking aviator sunglasses. Tesla's announcement came the same week that a leaked draft opinion revealed that the Supreme Court intends to overturn Roe versus Wade. And Elon's saying here, take my money, kill them babies. So now as we go down here, Oh, there was a little correction that states here that Bill was introduced by Senator Marco Rubio, who I'm not really a big fan of, but we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, fuck that correction. Uh, Tesla is the latest company offering to reimburse its employees for travel expenses when they seek reproductive care in other states, including abortion. The car maker revealed, get this, a car maker. What the fuck does a car maker have to do with your lady guts? Nothing, right? So why the fuck do they even have a stake in this? Why are they stakeholders? Shouldn't we be holding stakes? Where are their coffins? I don't know. But revealed in its 2021 impact report, released Friday impact report. Oh, what kind of impact we're going to have on everything in your life. Released Friday that expanded its health insurance offerings and health insurance companies too are fucking evil. So we're going to have to talk about them too. Uh, offerings last year to include travel and lodging support for those who may need to seek healthcare services that are unavailable in their home state. Now, several major companies, including Citigroup, who ever heard of them? Yelp, Lyft. So I, I encourage everybody that gets in a Lyft the next time, Go to your favorite Indian restaurant, and if you've never been to one, go there, and hopefully they have a buffet, and fucking try everything, because the shit in your pants that you're going to have is going to be phenomenal, and I want you to have it in a Lyft vehicle, all right? Now, Levi's, yeah, you could find better jeans than them, and Amazon, uh, maybe Barbell, but Barbell's still a little expensive, Um, and then Amazon. Now, Amazon, I'm not shocked, because, you know, Jeff Bezos, he looks like a dick, he makes dick rockets, dick move. Kind of fits the motif, right? Um, have also announced that they would cover travel expenses for workers with limited access to safe abortion procedures in their home states. Safe for whom? Uh, this comes after several states, and we're actually going to talk about that too, uh, including Texas and Oklahoma passed restrictive abortion laws in recent years. Tesla moved its corporate headquarters from Silicon Valley to Texas last year. 
Well, welcome to the state, motherfucker. And Tesla's announcement came the same week that a leaked draft opinion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we read through that. Now, it goes on here to talk about little Marco. Now, little Marco has been a big piece of shit in the past. So I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to be nice, going to be nice and see what this bill's about. Maybe it'll do something, but we'll, we'll see. Little Marco came out with a bill that was introduced that would prevent companies from getting tax breaks. So utilizing the, weaponizing the IRS for, for moral purposes, um, I, I don't like it. It feels dirty. Okay. But for reimbursing the travel costs of their employees seeking certain reproductive care in other states, this includes abortion and would also limit certain medical care for transgender minors. Okay. You're getting on something here. Our tax code should be pro-family and promote a cultural life. Put that on a fucking plaque and hanging up in the the IRS headquarters, please, for me, Rubio. All right, do do something for me. Do that. All right. Now, it says the no tax breaks for radical corporate activism bill. Instead, too often, our corporations find loopholes to subsidize the murder of unborn babies. Okay. Thumbs up there. Or horrific medical treatments on kids. Also thumbs up there. Yeah, stop that shit. My bill would make sure this does not happen. Now, Texas State Representative Briscoe Kane, a Republican, don't know much about him, has said he would propose legislation barring local governments in the state from doing business with any company that provides travel benefits for employees seeking abortions. Uh, and then it just gives a list of shit-ass companies. Tesla, Amazon, Citigroup. Oh, DoorDash. Mm. Well, if if you're willing to accept all the boogers and cum that are coming in with your DoorDash, you're willing to accept them paying for abortions too. So fuck that company as well. Uh, Yelp, know about them already. And then it just other ways companies are supporting abortion. Oh, there's just there's so many back channels to support this. Uh, that ride-sharing service Lyft appears yet again. Um, and then uh, just this statement I'm not even going to read because I don't want to vomit on this windscreen. It's hard to clean. Uh, Dara, fuck your last name, the CEO of competitor Uber as well, tweeted that his company would support its drivers in the same way. So shit in your Uber as well. But, uh, and then, ooh, in 2021, Texas-based Dating app company Bumble, which prides itself on being women-founded and women-led, created a relief fund supporting the reproductive rights of women to kill other women inside the womb. That's not actually what it says, but that's what it fucking says. So I, I, I don't think there's oh, Match.com's in there as well. And then, oh, this is a shocker: the WEF, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab talking about dickheads, man. Klaus Schwab makes his appearance now and, and tells his little bitch, Mark Beanoff, to say that if you have concerns about access to reproductive health care in your state, Salesforce will help relocate you and members of your immediate family, a Salesforce company memo stated. Yeah, to relocate your family, except for that one motherfucker that we helped you kill. Wow. It seems like it's an accomplice being an accomplice in murder. In fucking murder. All right. Well, there's that one. And then uh, let's talk about the religious uh, blowback on this, too. This is from Christianity Today. 
the Supreme Court leak was an unplanned complication for pregnancy centers because, believe it or not, not all centers regarding pregnancy have to deal with killing the fucking baby. So let's talk about this. Caught in a national firestorm, Christian groups focus on local needs of women preparing for babies. And look at all this shit. That's what these ladies had to show up to work today for. They, they, they belong to uh, CareNet, which is uh, in Frederick, Maryland, to find that their place had been graffitied. Uh, it says Penny Hill well, never- graffitied. Uh, I mean, we have two that were firebombed and fucking burnt. Oh, it talks about that in the article, but you know, because you already know. <laughs> I mean, for fuck's <laughs> sake. You already know where like, this leads. <laughs> it's just, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're being, it's violence and destruction. In the name of murdering children, people. That's what I talk about when I reference this fucking darkness and this evil. This is insane. It's Notice insane. the pattern recognition in John Henry, folks. How many times have we seen this pattern with the radical left, if you want to call them that? Satanic pedophile cult. Whatever the fuck you want to like label them as, this is their, this is their reaction to things. Oh, oh, we don't like this one decision. Oh, well, here, we're just going to burn things down. We're going to kill people. We're going to graffiti shit. We're going to threaten people. I mean, and the reason the why we created this where podcast. Where are the arrests? Where yeah. is it? But this has now become tolerated because it's status quo. It's their justifiable reaction. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of all the bullshit BLM riots. It gave everybody a green light that that's an acceptable pattern of behavior. It's okay to destroy, destroy businesses. These women are trying to help people. So let's say that a woman is pregnant and she decides that she's incapable of mothering that child. Yeah. Let me, how many families are out there that are, are dying to adopt a child because they're not able to have their own. I mean, it's fucking insane. I just had a conversation with a really dear friend of mine. And his wife's having some issues and they don't believe she's going to be able to be pregnant again. And he's like, man, I've always wanted to adopt. We're going to adopt. We're going to adopt. That's an admirable thing. So everybody just chalk it up as kill it. You know, where there's a family out there that would love to adopt these children and give them a great life. Just it's fucking dark, man disheartening that we've gotten to this point where it's just so commonplace and so acceptable. And you don't want to talk about women's reproductive health. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, when you see how the, the other side, if you want to call them that too, I mean, it's, it's hard to put a, a, a real label on so many different types of people that react this way, that react violently this way and for all kinds of different reasons. But if you see how this side reacts, the authoritarian side, maybe, um, they react by keeping their own in line with violence just as much as they keep others in line with violence. And here in the liberty movement, um, I would create a giant flotilla. I would create my own country out in the middle of the ocean to get away from those kind of fucking people. And I would invite everybody as long as they were cool like that too. As long as they were cool with not being violent and not aggressing upon other people. I don't care where the fuck they come from. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care what food they like. I mean, if you're not fucking with other people, welcome to the Freedom Flotilla. We're going to do it. We're going to do it there. But it's just, it's it's so crazy to me that we do live in a place like this where this is how people use intimidation and political intimidation. 
and they, they get the fuck away with it too. Like we're going to talk about that as we go forward here. But it says here in the article, folks, uh, Penny Hill never expected the First Step Pregnancy Resource Center in Bangor, Maine to become a target of pro-life protesters. The pregnancy center is, after all, a pro-life alternative to an abortion clinic, helping women choose to carry their pregnancies to term. So what an admirable fucking thing. But days after the leak of a draft of a Supreme Court ruling over Tony Roe versus Wade, yeah, we've talked about that, some phone calls came in with people shouting that abortion is murder. As the temperature of the national debate spiked, some angry people were getting confused about who was on whose side. Then the director of the pregnancy center found the center's sign and sign holder on the front door ripped off. So that's fucking unacceptable. Now, we've never had anything here like that, uh, the quote is, said uh, Hill, whose center has a good enough relationship with the local health department that it refers clients to the centers uh, for parenting, uh, parenting classes. The town has been in an uproar, she says. Now, in Maine, even if the Roe reversal comes to pass, abortions would still be legal under viability or 24 weeks. Hill spoke to the local media in Bangor, serving as a counterpart for stories about protesters defending the right to abortion. Now, meanwhile, she and other pregnancy center leaders in both red and blue states said that the women they are serving haven't brought up the news at all. People are just, they're not even like, uh, this. to me, this is one of the biggest stories in the world. But to some people, I mean, whatever the fuck is on television, I guess. Um, I don't know if our clients... No, what's going on, Hill said. If they're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy, they might not be paying attention to the news. Well, <laughs> certain things like that might get you into trouble because if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world, you're probably not running around just having babies here and there. But uh, for women thinking about having an unplanned baby, uh, there are more pressing concerns like the national shortage of infant formula. That's fucked up. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Melanie Miller, executive director of Ashland Pregnancy Care Center in Ashland, Ohio, said on May 5th that their center did an outreach with a formula giveaway. And one mom came in sobbing because she hadn't been able to find formula anywhere. Now, pregnancy resource centers and faith-based pro-life organizations that offer services ranging from basic counseling to full medical care for women with unplanned pregnancies or other needs like STI testing find themselves in the middle of a chaotic situation. The news that the Supreme Court might overturn the 1973 decision to legalize abortion across the country left them tense, not triumphant. They were anticipating a possible ruling in June. They weren't prepared for the political upheaval, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, the, the political violence and intimidation without any actual decision. Now, some pregnancy centers have experienced vandalism. This is what you were getting at, John Henry. That's why I wanted to read into this. Uh, since the leak, two days after the leak, someone busted the windows of the Southeast Portland Pregnancy Re Portland, really? Okay. Pregnancy Resource Center in Oregon. Uh, nothing like that ever happens up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, spray painted an obscenity about pregnancy centers. The center which has medical staff who do ultrasounds and testing for sexually transmitted infections, is part of an umbrella organization, First Image, that also does grief care for miscarriages, stillbirths, or women who are post-abortive or grieving an abortion. Uh, I'm sorry, grieving an adoption. Um, now, it also says, I believe that when the world heats up, it should be a call for us to lean into redemptive work. 
Good for you, says Executive Director Luke Cirillo in a blog post about the vandalism. Now, also in Wisconsin, police reported that someone had set on fire the office of a political group opposing abortion, writing in graffiti, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Hmm. I wonder how many of these cunts stay strapped, John Henry. (laughs) Now, staff arrived at work on May 4th at another pregnancy center, CareNet, in Frederick, Maryland. That's when we talked about up there with the picture to see graffiti covering the building, the red and black graffiti, red, fake clinic, and forced motherhood. Abortion is a human right. Well, what about the other human? Um, If Roe is overturned, Maryland will continue to allow abortion. We read about that. Um, And let's see. I don't think there was anything else necessarily besides this one, other than the fact that this Karenet place is doing some really awesome fucking things for people. Like if you um, are in an area like that, um, like Frederick, Maryland, I believe where Karenet is, um, maybe give them some support after this. If it's a Christian organization and they're looking to help women in these situations, I can only imagine, um, you know, that they would probably need someone's help and they need some positive attention instead of this in their lives. So yeah, maybe maybe go uh, check them out there. But uh, John Henry, do you have anything to say about this article before we move on? As, uh, I know you talked already about some of the violence and vandalism and shit that occurred here to these people, but I don't know. Is there, is there anything else that came to mind about something like this? This makes me want to be able to abort adults. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, the violence and threats being spray painted on, you know, it's just ladies showing up to work. Like, I mean, I'd say if there was like, pro-life uh violent you know protests you know where they were beating up abortion doctors and other things like that or like doing worse you know like fire firebombing places like this um i wouldn't be about that either because it violates the non-aggression principle like we have principles here that we don't violate you know i just uh, <coughs> excuse me covid um yeah. yeah this is just a continuation of lack of adult responsibility you know, and I think that we suffer on such a massive scale because of this all the way around. One, why is this so important? Well, you always hear them citing things like incest and rape, right? The percentile of women that become pregnant through rape is really, 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 really low, right? And I'm again, guys, I'm not discounting that. That, in fact, does happen, and I understand that. Right. But that's what they do. They go to these extremes. But for women to so casually get pregnant and have abortions. Right. And look, men are responsible, too. I understand that part. Right. It takes two people for that type of engagement to happen. But you can't just use that as a form of contraception. Murdering a fucking person is not contraception. Get the take the pill. Get the fucking implant. Use condoms. Don't have sex. I mean, I just, it is so far beyond me why this is such an important topic to people and why they press so hard. And to me, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's just fucking evil. It's just plain evil and darkness. I don't know if it's a power thing or or what it is. But, you know, you have like, there's fucking... One of these wacky feminist ladies. I think I saw she had a t-shirt on that said like she's had 16 abortions or something. 
That's just grotesque, man. That's not negligence anymore. That's on purpose. Yeah. That's sadistic. That's evil. To me, that's a serial killer. That woman should be sentenced to death. I know. You're a hypocrite. You can't say that an adult should be sentenced to death if you're not okay with children being aborted. Yeah, then I'm going to be a fucking hypocrite. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to wear that big H right now. Because this is just fucking disgusting, guys. And there is a lot more evil and darkness at play than I think we even realize here. Well, and it's also uh, state-sponsored because where would we be, John Henry, without state-sponsored malpractice? Of course. Um, New York City, meanwhile, has on its Department of Health website, this article uh, states, (laughs) a section titled Avoid Fake Clinics referring to pregnancy centers such as the one we've talked about, like CareNet, and links to a fake clinic map, which includes the most inoffensive of faith-based counseling and support centers. Yeah, Yeah. so pro-life clinics are are fake clinics because they're not just going to put you on the fucking butchering table. Oh, yeah. Fake ideology, fake feelings, you know, all of our fake opinions, John Henry. But, um... Fake names, but we ain't fake. And um, we're definitely not faking it when it comes to this. Um, these people are, are fucking scum. They're sick, uh, man. They're <laughs> fucking sick. They're dark and they're and fucking evil. And I'm talking about the New York City Department of Health. Oh, yeah. The, just them alone. Just them alone. Like what you talked about when we started this segment, John Come Henry, on, about these your are the same experience people and this that, goes hand in hand. These are the same people that put all the elderly with COVID back in their, their old age homes. And it's just it. living facilities. The we same people that would monsters. have denied you treatment and watched you die on a hospital bed if you were worse than where you are now. That's right. And you know that. Absolutely. You, you know that they would just look at you and go, oh, sorry, you number, whatever your yeah. number is, you're done. Put them on the Guess ventilator. Guess what? We get checked. <laughs> yeah. You're on the ventilator now. Yeah. How many lungs did they blow up there? Well, let's talk about, um, let's, talk, let's transition into this, this crazy shit. So this is from the Daily Mail. Uh, comedian says he warned security guard about knife wielding man before he tackled Dave Chappelle on stage, but he was ignored. Same company handled the security at Astro World, that lovely festival. And of course, but also the Las Vegas concert where 59 people were shot to death in 2017. Are there any coincidences? Coincidences, folks. I can't even say it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> like we can't. Even, I can't even get through the headline of this one, and I can't wait to read further. Just this. I'm watching you stir now, John Henry. Five this presidential inaugurations, thirty-one Super <laughs> yes. Bowls, nine Olympics. Yes. Here's my question: After the Las Vegas shooting, why the fuck does this company even exist anymore? Do you think after doing all those presidential elections and stuff that you just rattled off that they don't have some high or lofty connections to some people then you that allow them to people, get away with literal murder of people? People trampled to death and dead at Astro yeah. World. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait till you, wait till you see the, the, what's been uncovered in this, uh, this thing. This is from Ado, Adam Mano uh, from DailyMail.com. A comedian at the Netflix event, and we're going to talk about Netflix uh, coming up here too in the next article, uh, where Dave Chappelle was stormed on stage by a man wielding a bayonet, claimed by the company handling security for the show, shrugged off his warning that the attacker had jumped over a barrier to get into the festival. The security company, Contemporary Services Corporation, or CSC, 
Everybody go and look them up and find some shit and send that over to us here at The New Prisoners. There's several ways you can get in contact with us. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We're on Gab. We're also on Minds. Uh, we're on Substack. You can message us there too. Or you can even send shit to uh, the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. But yeah, find some nasty dirt on those sons of bitches because they deserve being exposed. Now, on with the article, was also in charge of last November's Astroworld Festival, where 10 were trampled to death and was responsible for security at the 2017 Las Vegas Country Music Festival, where 59 people were gunned down. I wonder if they made any contacts over the years in the CIA. The event remains the deadliest mass shooting in American history. Now, CSC has come under fire <laughs> for its lax security at last Tuesday's Netflix is a joke festival uh, in, in Los Angeles after Isaiah Lee jumped over a second barrier and tackled Chappelle while he was performing at the Hollywood Bowl. Now, also, I want everybody out there to think about who was in that audience the, uh, the, the amount of dollars that the, the members in that audience collectively own, um, the types of security and the security apparatus itself that could have been and is surrounding them at all times. Because if the FBI is reading my fucking emails, which they probably are at this point, um, then they're probably reading those fuckers' emails too, or they're voluntarily giving them over to them. Um, so how the fuck does this happen? Well, let's read on. CSC has come under fire for its lack of security. Now, moments before comic Turan Von uh, Garci, Gazri, yeah, Gazri, there we go, Turan Gazri, said a female CSC guard ignored his warning about a hooded man jumping over a barrier with his backpack on. She shrugged it off. This is that normalcy bias. Or, or, we'll get to that, um, Gasry said, and within a minute, Lee had hoisted himself on stage and knocked Chappelle down. Now, two other CSE guards stood by, he said. Eventually, Chappelle's own private security detail took Lee down. So, none of the security at the event that was responsible for you know, preventing any of that. There's a lovely shot of the person himself. It remains unclear, it says, what Isaiah Lee's motive was in the attack. Um, now, let's... Go down. That's the uh, bayonet that he attacked Chappelle with, which looks like a handgun, but isn't. Has a uh, little knife blade at the end of it, for those of you listening. Um, now, let's say, let's see here. Um, a security guard working the event claimed there was no real hiring process for the show. So who could they have slipped in there? What kind of glowies, what kind of... Did, what was the outfit? Let's go back up. Was it polo shirts and khaki shorts? Oh, close enough. All right. So hold on a second. Can we talk about the most important point to this whole thing? What's that? Jamie Foxx in a cowboy hat and Busta Rhymes beat the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> in a fucking cowboy yes, hat. Did. <laughs> I, I did. you have the picture of him on the stretcher with his arm completely snapped in half? Uh, I do not have that okay. one handy, but so look that up, guys. I mean, when I'm talking about snap in half, like the upper portion of his arm, it looks like he has two fucking elbows. Yeah. So security didn't do shit, but Chappelle's entourage and Jamie Fox in a cowboy hat and Buster Rhymes beat the living piss out of this fucker. I grabbed the article more or less uh, this week for this, not just because of like the size of this type of event, you know, happening. Like this, this is a big event happening in the entertainment world of course it was something like this but 
Um, I pulled it for what we're about to read into, though, because of the connections that it has to some other things, especially the connections with Netflix um, and Black Lives Matter and other types of things uh, that are going on in the world. So, but it says uh, the firm, one of the largest event security companies in North America, routinely hires inexperienced staff, the staffer says, and held a single security briefing just two days before the Netflix event. He said company leaders urged staff to keep the crowd moving to avoid a logjam. Now, CSC, which has 50 locations across the U.S. and Canada, about 60,000 workers, according to the company's LinkedIn, had been, has been sued uh, dozens of times by staff and concert goers, claiming negligence, battery, assault, and labor violations over the past 30 years. The firm based in Northridge, California, was founded by Damon Zumwalt, who started the company after his first year in college in 1967. And CSC has worked security for five presidential uh, inaugurations, like you said, two FIFA, uh, FIFA World Cups, 31 Super Bowls, and nine Olympics, BuzzFeed News reported. So the anonymous staffer said he learned about the job at, at the Netflix event through a friend who said CSC was looking to hire quickly. He said some of the other contractors hired uh, with him had never worked security and had no experience with a metal detector or with checking bags. And at a security briefing two days before, senior CSC staffers gave out a blue and yellow company t-shirt. The day of the event, leaders held a meeting for their sections and warned staff that there would be a big crowd and that they should try to get people in as quickly as possible to avoid a logjam before the show started at 7 p.m. The crowd started getting bigger, and I was thinking the whole time there is no way people were uh, being thoroughly checked at the rate people were walking in, the anonymous employee told BuzzFeed. It remains unclear how Lee, 23, snuck the weapon into the Netflix is a joke comedy event last Tuesday, but unnamed police sources told TMZ there was only one entrance area where the metal detector could be circumvented. So the police knew which one it was. There was a weak point in the infrastructure there. Now, did they intentionally build the weak point in the Death Star here? Or... (laughs) Now, he later allegedly used the weapon as he lunged at Chappelle, who was finishing up his comedy routine at the festival. Now, there's a picture of Travis Scott on stage there while people are being trampled. Now, here's the picture that I got of the Isaiah Lee 23 right appeared in court on Friday and pleaded not guilty to misdemeanor charges for attacking comedian Dave Chappelle. So here's what's interesting. There's something else. They immediately decided to not charge him with felony assault. Oh, yeah. I was getting to that. With a fucking weapon. With a weapon, mind you. I'm going to scroll down to that while you're talking. It's only misdemeanor? Mm Mm-hmm. How is that the case? That's assault with a deadly weapon. That's a felony all fucking day. Yeah, he was charged with four misdemeanors. He pleaded not guilty at his arraignment. <laughs> pleaded wow. not guilty at his arraignment. I don't know how. I don't know how you could not be guilty. Okay, on Friday, I guess you know maybe get less charges. But uh, it's a travesty of justice. Uh, here in a quote that DA and we've heard lots about this piece of shit, George Gascon, scum, is refusing to prosecute this case as a felony. That was from Gabriel Caldwell. That's uh, Chappelle's attorney. Mind uh, you, hardened that's, that's criminals brag about Gascon. Brag about yeah. him. They yeah. fucking love him. Because he's weak on crime. 
Yeah, this quote is uh, the city attorney who filed the case is doing his job, but D.A. Gascon should also do his job and charge this as a felony. This was a violent assault that was perpetrated on an unsuspecting entertainer while he was giving a show in front of thousands of people at the historic Hollywood Bowl. I don't know. Is it all a show? And we are merely players. True. I mean, is this the is this the type of thing where you know they're doing something like this to also make people a little bit more you know concerned? Like we we were talking about in the last article too. Um, right there at the end of that article, it mentioned that some of the centers were afraid to go online and it exclaimed their you know exuberance for the Roe versus Wade overturning. You know that these Christian care pregnancy centers were able to finally go online and say, "Hey, justice finally is served for the unborn," and they can't because of violence and persecution. And here you have one of the biggest shit talkers on the planet Earth. You might not get along with his politics. You might think he, he sucked a little too much Black Lives Matter dick. You know, he, he just he might be a fucking plant from the CIA. Who knows? But Dave Chappelle is the biggest, one of the biggest shit talkers on the planet Earth. And he's getting attacked on stage with a knife in front of some of the richest and most powerful people on the planet Earth. Yeah, How well, the fuck does that happen? Simple. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. That's how that happens. The template was there. Yeah. Mon- monkey see, Priming. monkey do. So here's my question. Is he only being charged with misdemeanors because is Gascon the same DA that would be presiding over the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation? Mm. That I don't know. That'd mm. be something to look into. So would that be mm. precedent? So oh. if they charged him with felony assault, would they have to charge Will Smith with felony assault? Oh, What's the difference in the axe? Not much, right? Uh, the weapon. Sure. The weapon, maybe. So yeah, it should be more severe. Big. Yeah. I'd like to see any of you uh, ex-cons out there that might be listening. You know, maybe people get their lives right sometimes. Okay. Um, but I'd like to see any of you carry that fucking knife into anything. You know, get that. try and get that past airport security or some kind of shit and see how they treat you. I think it's going to be a little bit more than a misdemeanor when it comes to, you know, carrying something like that. It's just, I don't know, John Henry. The other thing that's really weird about this, too, before I click over, um, is that this person here, this Isaiah Lee, this is another victim of the indoctrination. And this is probably uh, the final example of the incorporation uh, stage for this person until they're fully into the system there. But um, it said Lee was an aspiring hip-hop artist who has posted rap videos on YouTube. Of course he was. Going back to 2020. Thanks, 2020, um, is now being held in L.A. County Sheriff's custody on a single felony charge of assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, Lee's motive for the attack remains unclear, though his brother told Rolling Stone, who's another, like, I think the intelligence agencies leak shit to them on purpose, leftist shit rag, fucking cocksuckers, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, that he has mental health problems. And has some connection Stop. to the trans Stop community. It. Stop it. Get the ah. fuck out of here. Yep. There's that. So, I mean, you're just, you're looking at the MK Ultra brainwashing of the populace that's occurring, you know, with all this trans stuff. There's, there's, there's some of that going on, I think. Uh, but, you know, just maybe just another sick person that was maybe taken in by some people. Um, you know, they, they, they did a few experiments on them and then let them loose. And then the FBI just took them off their list mysteriously. And now this motherfucker shows up. Who even knows these days? But let's move on to who this connects to. BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors chairs 
dark money nonprofit that received $2.5 million from Woke Silicon Valley Fund, whose previous donors include Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings, Mark Zuckerberg, piece of shit, and Jack Dorsey. Now, a dark money nonprofit run by one of Black Lives, Ma- <laughs> Black Lives Matter's founders received $2.5 million in donations from a Silicon Valley foundation in 2020. Again, thanks, 2020. New tax filings have revealed. Forms filed last month show that Dignity and Power Now, a Los Angeles-based grassroots agency, grassroots my fucking ass, headed by BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors, secured $4.2 million in donations in 2020, with the bulk of that sum coming from Silicon Valley Community Foundation, a multi-billion dollar fund based in the Bay Area. Grassroots, multi-billion dollar fund based in the Bay Area. Again, my ass. The firm, which bills itself as a donor-advised community foundation serving the Silicon Valley region, is one of the largest funds in the country and received $2.1 billion in contributions in 2020 alone. Tax records show. Now, moreover, as we look at Fancy Pants here and her fucking haircut and her shirt, gotta love that too. It's kind of got like a Missy Elliott with bleach uh, type of thing going on. She's going for Jesse Smollett meets Missy Elliott there. Yeah, with the bleach poured over it. All right. But moreover, the high-powered fund is linked to some of the biggest names in the Valley, including Mark Cuckerberg, uh, Jack Dorsey, and Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings, who is a giant piece of shit, who have all contributed cash to the sizable foundation. Now, there's also uh, there's no suggestion any of those tech tycoons donated directly to Keller's nonprofit. Yeah, sure they did. Or of learning whose donations made their way into her charity. Now, Colors 38, who resigned last May from the act, you, you resigned from Black Lives Mattering at the activist, activist group in the wake of revelations, should spend millions on a slew of lavish homes. We've reported on this here. Using donated funds has not commented on the contribution, which amounts to 2.5 million record show. Now, it says the dark money designation used to describe Colors nonprofit, which was reportedly used to buy BLM Brass a 6,500-square-foot mansion in 2020, thanks 2020, is used to describe an entity that does not disclose from where it receives funding. Now, speaking to Fox News Friday, and Fox News fucking sucks, but let's see what they had to say. The outlet to the first uh, report, the donation, the executive director for Dignity and Power Now asserted that the transaction was not dark, and that it was available for the public to see. Just, you know, just like Anthony Fauci's records weren't private, but they were private. And then he went, oh, well, I'll release them then. <laughs> so we'll see about that. Uh, the quotes. And then um, I can't read them claiming this is philanthropic. Uh, but it says that in 2020, Twitter CEO uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, who's 45, chipped in one point. Dorsey gave $1.5 to this piece of shit. Now, that same year, Facebook co-founder uh, Dustin Moskowitz and Patricia Ann Quillen, the wife of Netflix's billionaire CEO, both offered generous donations to the tune of millions to call her's PAC 
and other BLM-linked charities. So if you wonder where the funding for all the propaganda came from, if you wonder where all the manipulation for the, you know, since the riots in 2020, since George Floyd's death till now, you wonder where all the racial divisions come from, you wonder why people are dying in their fucking streets. Well, you can thank these fucking people that donated to this shit. You can fucking thank them for that. Now, also, you can thank them for this, too, because they're also involved in this bullshit. This is also from the Daily Mail. I got a block of articles, three articles in a row, all from the same source, all about the same kind of linked things, but different subjects altogether, possibly. So, Transgender Assistant Secretary of Health, Rachel Levine, sparks fury by claiming all pediatricians agree. Everybody agrees on gender-affirming care, don't they? Despite doctors warning against, yeah, actual fucking doctors, warning against chemical castration puberty blockers that have been linked to infertility. You don't say that they would do that. Well, in the article it says, one of America's top health officials has come under fire for saying that all pediatricians agree on providing children and teenagers with gender-affirming care, despite vocal opposition by puberty blockers from doctors over the past few years. Now, Assistant Secretary of Health, yuck, Rachel Levine, who is also the highest appointed transgender person in U.S. history, and I also made her look like a demon from hell from the video game Doom on one of our thumbnails recently. But she told NPR, which also sucks ass, in a recent interview that there is an evidence-based standard of care for the evaluation and treatment of trans individuals set by the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. I wonder if it's not just a bunch of fucking activists. Okay, well, there have also been comments from the American Academy of Pediatrics, who've also basically become a bunch of fucking activists or just shills. Now, the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine from the American Medical Association, uh, from the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association, all in support of evidence-based standards of care for gender-affirming treatment, she added. So, thank you, Rachel Levine, for giving us all a list of the shittiest organizations, the ones that we know to not take seriously, the ones we know to stay away from. The ones that if you make any claims that this organization, like the American Academy of Pediatrics, says boo, that we will know that it's all horseshit. So go fuck yourself. Now, there is no argument, she claims, among medical professionals, pediatricians, pediatric endocrinologists, adolescent medicine physicians, adolescent psychiatrists, psychologists, etc., about the value and importance of gender-affirming care. Goes on to say, gender-affirming care, according to Levine's Department of Health and Human Services, includes social affirmation of one's gender identity at any age, puberty blockers during puberty, and hormone therapy starting in early adolescence. So yes, when they ask old shit pants on stage, uh, when they had that question thrown at him, would you let uh, my transgender daughter or son, w- w- won't you let them trans transition, oh, Mr. Biden? Won't you let them take the, the, the beautiful hormone blockers provided by our gods in Pfizer? Won't you do that for us, please, sir? 
And then he said, yeah, I'll let you do it. Well, you should have known. You should have known right then and then that this was going to fucking happen. That they can say it that out. They could just be out in the open with it. That not only are we going to allow this to happen, it's not going to be like the teachers, you know, like sneaking them in the back room and saying, hey, little Johnny or Billy or hey, little Sally or Susie, um, we're going to start giving you these pills because we think that you feel a certain way about yourself and we feel it's only right. And in fact, you're right as a human being to uh, to be the person you were always meant to be. And I, I want you to take this pill from Pfizer because they are our gods. They are sacred to us. Well, I mean, if, if even if they were doing that, well, shit. At least they're trying to be sneaky about it. No, they're putting their fucking operated however many times dick or vagina right on your fucking face, people. Now, Levine's comments were made in response to questions about Florida Surgeon General Joseph Lopato uh, releasing his own fact sheet on the topic, which strongly advised against adolescents transitioning at all. So I'm probably for that. Now, in its uh, fact sheet, the, the Florida Department of Health cited a lack of conclusive evidence and the potential for long-term irreversible effects. <laughs> you mean everything that the other side was claiming that's just Oh, that's safe and effective. There's no, nothing could possibly happen there. When have they used that fucking excuse before? Now, also irreversible effects to warn against social transitioning, puberty blockers, hormones, and surgery as treatment options for children and adolescents. So basically the, the thesis to the antithesis that's offered by whatever the fuck this is. John Henry, do you have anything to add to this so far? <laughs> Can't even stand the picture of that fucking mutant. I'll scroll down. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> sorry for all that are watching, actually. <laughs> Leave our fucking kids alone. <clears throat> yes. That's all. Okay. Enough is enough. And I know that we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. Oh, yes. We definitely are. Um, I just wanted to read a couple little tidbits from this before we moved on, though. It says that 52% of all transgender and non-binary young people in the U.S. seriously contemplated killing themselves in 2020. Levine writes in her prepared remarks obtained by NPR. It says, think about how many of them thought it was better to die than put up with one more harassment, scapegoating, and intentional abuse. This is the emotional manipulation at play here, so... The language of medicine and science is being used to drive people to suicide, her remarks go on to say. Now, as we go down here, it says, but <laughs> puberty blockers have been shown to have unattended side effects as well, with several countries now banning the use of the medication for those under the age of 18, and bravo to them. The medications are used as a pause button on puberty, offering a child with a breathing space to reach a considered decision over whether to proceed with cross-sex hormones and sex change surgery to achieve full transition. Their supporters say it is better to stop puberty altogether, but opponents to the drug say there is very little research about the effects they have on a young person's body. Now, in Sweden, which has set a pretty good standard for us lately with COVID, for the most part, they're fucked up here and there. But in Sweden, one young transgender man, Leo, is suffering the consequences with his back badly hurting whenever he stands up or walks away. He is one of 13, trans, 13 transgender children out of 440 treated by the country's famous Karolinska University Hospital. So how about that for a fucking study who were found by a Swedish television crew? Thank God for those guys 
to have suffered catastrophic injuries as a result of the puberty blockers. Let me go back to that, actually. We talked about this on the interview yesterday. But yeah, Swedish television crew. How important is it to expose them? How important is it was that Swedish television crew exposing what was actually happening? 13 out of 440? Now, their ailments include, oh, these are little ones, right? Oh, just, you know, those are, it's like the myocarditis. It's just a mild, it's just a mild liver damage. They don't even include the mild part in this. So they get liver damage, unexplained weight gains of up to two stone, which I forget what that is, but it's probably a lot. Mental health problems. And in Leo's case, skeletal damage and a failure to grow as tall as he should. That sounds like it was great for him, right? Health and safety, folks. This is our government talking about this shit. Unabashedly, unashamedly in your face. Now, he has spinal fractures. And for someone with back problems, I'm sure that fucking sucks. And a condition called osteopenia, which weakens the bones. So basically, he's like Samuel L. Jackson for glass or how John Henry felt two days ago. Making them more liable to break. It is a disease that is often found in people aged 60 or 70 and is almost impossible to reverse. I'm just going to end it there. Let's move on. This, John Henry, you sent me. This is something that we talked about with our friend TJ Wright. Shout out to him. Um, And he brought this to our attention. And my mom was fucking blown that it was happening because I'll just let you guys know this. I, I used to work in retail. And in retail, you know, certain products that you sell, they have expiration dates on them. If you are found to sell something with an expiration date on it, you could be legally liable for that. What the fuck is happening here? Well, hopefully, hopefully, the legal precedent is happening where you can sue the fuck out of these people because they deserve it. This is from Hawaii News Now. Lawsuit claims Molokai Health Center administered expired vaccines to children. Now, a lawsuit filed this week claims Molokai Community Health Center administered expired vaccines to children. The health center was under fire back in 2019 when it shut down for several days due to staff shortages. And since then, residents held protests and demanded a change in leadership. A new lawsuit claims violations are still being made. Lauren, I'm not going to get that. Kelly Puglioli, I gave it my best. Just, Just move on, man. Yeah, was born and raised on Molokai. Uh, She has been working in the medical field on island for nearly a decade. She says, I like working with patients. My parents are getting older now, so I can put my practice there also. Now, she was hired by MCHC, it says, as a medical assistant in 2020. Now, shortly after she started, she was told to administer vaccines to children. She claims she never properly trained. In quotations, it says, when I did my first child, she looked at me, we're getting ready, and she said, you like try? And that's exactly what she told me. And I looked at her and I said, okay. Now, she said one day it was extremely busy and they were severely understaffed. Two children came in for hepatitis shots. And there's been a weird fucking thing with hepatitis and children and COVID and shit lately too that we could talk about. But um, her supervisor checked the vitals and vaccinated. And uh, this woman vaccinated them. Now, later, 
the woman realized that the vaccines were expired. She said she immediately reported her mistake to her supervisor. Now, we've seen Project Veritas videos about shit like this, too, about people approaching their supervisors. And the supervisor's just going, ah, that's just what the fuck they do, and I get paid. Um, and then in quotes here, it says, I felt bad already. I'm like, oh, my God. I hope nothing will happen to the kids. So this person has a soul. That's good to see. I was kind of stressing that day already. So she said, she'll let administration know. I said, okay, fine. And I waited and nothing happened. Now, after waiting five weeks, she reported the mistake directly to the administration. So nothing was done about it. She tried to pass it up the chain. Nothing was ever done. Now, her lawsuit against this uh, health clinic states that when her supervisor began retaliating against her and she was eventually fired. Now, the lawsuit demands change. It says anybody whose kids have been subjected to medical error would want to know as soon as possible. Now, somebody either dropped the ball or they're trying to sweep it under the rug. I think definitely somebody in a position of authority should accept responsibility and there should be a changing of the guards. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And as a uh, uh, candidate for governor, uh, BJ Penn did say, you gone. <laughs> you gone, brother. You, you motherfuckers should be gone. And I hope that when he gets in, if he gets in, uh, that uh, he would make that happen here too. But um, John Henry, anything to add to this article that you submitted to us? I mean, this, is, this, this doesn't shock you, does it? No, no, because TJ brought this um, to our attention initially, and then we've seen it through Veritas, like you said. But it's um, it's ridiculous, you know, retaliation, subsequently being fired, and then you know their their statement, the health and safety of our patients and staff are our top priority. We disagree with the claims made by this former employee and believe the facts will be revealed as the legal process unfolds. <coughs> Excuse me. Are they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that uh, <clears throat> at this point, there's a lot of doubt in yeah. all of that. But it just goes to show, man, they just uh, they push that narrative. And as we've been talking about on the show week in and week out, they don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about what's best for your family. They don't care about what's best for your children or your keiki, as we call them here in Hawaii. Yeah. It's um, it's just it's so disheartening. So I can only hope that there is legal recourse, and yeah. even more so, I hope and pray that the children that receive those expired vaccines have not been hurt. Um, although, albeit uh, any more than they potentially can be by these vaccines, which is unfortunate yeah. that um, in any way, shape, or form, there's concern. Yeah. But it's just um, nobody cared, man. You know, everybody was so bought into. Everybody has to be vaxxed. The kids have to be vaxxed. And they just push and push and push and push and push and stop paying attention to details and, and stop really thinking about, is this the right thing? Is this what's best for us? Or is this just what we're being told is the right thing and what's best for us? And everybody is bought in like a bunch of fucking sheep. So good for this woman speaking out. I, I hope the best for her. Well, yeah. And for anyone out there, like for anyone out there that wants to speak out, that, that needs a platform to speak out, contact us. Um, now let's move on to speaking of legal recourses. Oh man, CDC and FDA altered COVID guidance 
and even suppressed findings while under political pressure, bombshell report suggests. A whistleblower, thankful for another person that's willing to stand up and do what's right, at least say it finally, you know, we'll read on, but whistleblower employees say they feared retaliation. Notice that? Notice the whole theme to this show? Retaliation. Political intimidation. Everywhere. In every type of field. In the medical field. On stage. Doesn't matter where you go. Now, let's root on. CDC and FDA officials altered COVID guidance and even suppressed findings related to the virus due to political pressure, a bombshell report suggests. So, investigators from the Watchdog Government Accountability Office, or GAO, shout out to them, spoke to more than a dozen directors and managers who worked at the agencies behind the country's pandemic guidance. They unearthed allegations of political interference in scientific reports. Oh, you don't say. Raising fears that research was tampered with. No, no, no. Now, in its 37-page report, the GAO uh, warned that neither agency had a system in place for reporting allegations of political interference. (laughs) No systems in place for reporting allegations of such a thing. So, what what does that mean? Is it just carelessness? Is it negligence? Or is it malice? Is it meant to be that way? Are they meant to write the rules to exploit you? Well, we've learned over the past couple months, haven't we all? It has also said that they have failed to train staff how to spot and report this. So how to ignore it, basically. Now, whistleblowers said they did not speak up at the time for fear of retaliation because they were unsure how to report the issues or believe leaders were already aware. They're just like, oh, somebody's got to know that the vaccines killed all these fucking people, right? I mean, somebody had to have noticed by now, haven't they? Now, this is the latest and growing patch of a, in a growing patchwork of reports suggesting politicians influenced scientific papers during the pandemic for their own ends. It says on Tuesday, the Biden administration's top medical advisor, Lord Dr. Anthony Fauci, declared the U.S. is now out of the pandemic phase. We talked about that. Um, of COVID, citing low cases and hospitalizations, but health experts were quick to question the claim. Buried at the end of an interview with PBS NewsHour, suggesting he may have bungled his words and should have only said the nation was in a phase of low hospitalizations. Now, in the early phase, the White House was accused of waging war on science, with then-President Donald Trump repeatedly pushing for Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports to be amended to support his views, it says, as shown in emails made public by congressional investigators last April. Now, down here, it goes on to say, a few respondents from CDC and Food and Drug Administration FDA stated that they felt that the potential political interference they observed resulted in the alteration in or suppression of scientific findings. GEO investigators wrote in the report, Some of these respondents believe that this potential political interference may have resulted in the politically motivated alteration of public health guidance or delayed publication of COVID-related scientific findings. The GAO uh, report published last week looked into two agencies alongside the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, along with America's top research institution and the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, or ASPR, in charge of natural disaster response. So just normal C-bias, 
letting things go right past them, skips right past middle management and even upper management at a place that's responsible for our natural disaster responses. You wonder why we have no faith in government out there. If there's anyone listening, just scratch their heads like, I wonder why these guys are like the government. That's why. <laughs> do you need anything else? We don't even have to include genocide, do we? Now, all are, all are part of the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, which is also fucked up, which in February was branded at, as at high risk for fraud, mismanagement, and abuse by the GAO in a separate report. You don't say now, in the latest report, they, they define political interference as political influences seeking to undermine impartiality and professional judgment. Investigators said that they also sent up anonymous set up an anonymous hotline for two months to allow employees to report instances which received a few calls, just a few calls, just a few people actually spoke out. Now, no specific cases of altering advice were revealed for confidentiality reasons, of course. Yeah, why would, why would they give that? But the GAO mentioned in a footnote emails made, by, made public by congressional investigators last April that were sent between Trump officials and employees at the CDC. They suggested the agency had bowed to political pressure over a study in its Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Reports, or MMWR, a notice that documents current trends in U.S. health. Former scientific advisor to the then-President uh, Paula Alexander wrote in an email from 2020, thanks 2020, that he had succeeded in getting the top line in one of its reports changed. He wrote, small victory, but a victory nonetheless, yippee. I wonder what that was about. I wonder if that was about getting paid. Hmm. Maybe we'll never know. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it there because there's not that much really. But it just goes into some other things. We 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 got your graphs there. We got Jen Saki lying her fucking stupid face off. Um, and, and really, it just it boils down to uh, just a, a bunch of mismanagement by the government again. Uh, a bunch of state sponsored malpractice, of course, and a bunch of confidential information that we'll we'll never know might not ever be unconfidential in our lives. So, but uh, let's move on. Let's talk about another terrible uh, legal precedent that has just been set. This is from the New York Post from May 9th. Army officer convicted, oh, I'm sorry, May 4th. Army officer convicted in first known COVID court martial. Yeah. An officer who formerly served as the Army Public Health Center's headquarters company commander was convicted by a special court martial Friday. I wonder if he knows anything about health. Let's just, let's, let's go back up here for a second. All right. So for those of you that aren't watching, I'm showing everybody a picture of this person. This is First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw at his command relinquishment ceremony on July 9th, 2021. But it says, again, an officer who formerly served as the Army Public Health Center's headquarters company commander was convicted by a special court martial Friday of two specifications of violating lawful orders to comply with COVID-19 mitigation measures. What the fuck are they mitigating? At Aberdeen Proving Ground in Maryland. Now, First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw was found guilty of refusing an order to telework and reporting to his office without submitting to a COVID-19 test 
or otherwise furnishing a negative test result, according to insulation spokesperson Amber Reese. Those mitigation measures were required of unvaccinated troops at Aberdeen. Now, I'm sure Bashaw saw that the testing is bullshit, too, because you get so many different uh, random positives and other things. Uh, But it's... Fuck out of here. There we go. Bashaw, a former Air Force NCO and father of three, was also found guilty of failing to wear a mask indoors. <laughs> he failed not to wear his Mickey Mouse Fantasia magical fucking hat. That's what I mean. And if they implemented that in the army, I'm sure you're going to have people say, well, if they make if they make wearing the Mickey Mouse magic hat from Fantasia, the fucking role, then you're not a citizen anymore. You got to you got to wear the hat. Well, I'm glad this guy didn't wear the fucking hat. I'm glad he didn't wear the stupid fucking mask, too. Now, the military judge who oversaw Bashaw's trial opted not to punish him. Oh, did I lose you there for a second? No, we're good. All right. No, I thought I lost you there for a second, John Henry. No, but again, the military judge who oversaw Bashaw's trial opted not to punish him. However, the conviction gives Bashaw a criminal record that may impede future employment opportunities. That's a damn shame. Says after so wait, wait, in quotes. Can I ask oh, you a yeah. question? Yeah, yeah. So how many um, people did he spread COVID to that subsequently died? Um, I don't think it states that because it's probably none. Oh. How many people did yeah. he harm by not wearing that mask? I mean, if you want to include Fifi's, probably a few because there's some bitches in the military now. I mean, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. So he hurt people's feelings. Okay, so he is uh, dishonorably discharged and court-martialed for hurting people's feelings. I mean, when you got generals like Milley and uh, Lloyd Austin and those kind of fucking people. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Let me confirm. Thank you. That, that's the U.S. military. Imagine if they did a G.I. Joe based on this shit. <laughs> I wish, I, uh, again, I wish I could animate something. I mean, I could barely Photoshop, but, you know, if, if we could get an animation team together. Doing a G.I. Joe based on like S like SJW principles would be fucking hilarious. Well, did you could you, do so um, much with that. So much with that. Did you do you remember when Russia put the video out? The military video? Uh, about other armies being bitches? About the US military? Um specify for me. Yes. So they put a video out. It's a Russian military recruiting video. That's basically like um I think it's like a cartoon woman that has like two lesbian moms or something. And they're talking about how inclusive the military is. And there's like rainbows and pink uniforms. And then it's them like doing pushups in the snow and shooting guns and all this gnarly shit. Yeah. Yeah. That basically sums it up. So I think uh, the Russian military has already accomplished what you're <laughs> saying right now. I mean, when you, when you got a KGB guy over there running the show and then you have his right hand man, Al, what is this? Uh, uh, Vladislav Surkov. Uh, they, they know how to do the propaganda. So, I mean, regardless, I mean, they, they could be evil as fuck and whatever, folks, you know, depending on your opinion out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd say when it comes to military stuff, you know, showing, doing promos on the masculine, masculine end of things, like killing people and stuff, doing pushups and shit. Yeah, that, that's probably the way you want to you want to portray yourself there. But it says, after cons- careful consideration of the evidence, a military judge exercised lawful authority not to adjudge 
punishment for First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw. So he didn't get any punishment, I guess, for this. He's just he's getting booted, but there's no punishment, but not booted. I don't know. Reese said in a statement to Army Times, receiving no punishment at a court-martial is not without precedent. So I guess that that's uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a bright side to him since he didn't do any harm, but they have to do it anyway. I guess a judge was just like, oh, I got to follow the rules here or else I'm not getting my pension. Uh, But while the army does not categorize court-martial convictions as felonies or misdemeanors, many civilian jurisdictions treat a conviction as special court-martial convened by military judge alone, which this one was as a misdemeanor. So this guy gets a misdemeanor. The guy that attacked Dave Chappelle with a fucking knife gets a misdemeanor. (laughs) That's, yeah, no coincidences. So let's talk about the this week's final topic. Um, this is going to make you want to vomit, so maybe have a bucket handy. Um, this is from Technology under the Washington Post, and I definitely archived this because you don't want to give them clicks because fuck Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post with the same fist. A teen girl sexually exploited on Snapchat takes on American tech. Her lawsuit against the popular messaging app raises difficult questions about children's privacy and abuse online. This is from Drew Harwell. So let's let's go into this. She was 12 when he started demanding nude photos, saying she was pretty, that he was her friend. She believed. And no, this isn't a Disney employee, I don't think. Because they had connected on Snapchat that her photos and videos would disappear. Now at 16, she is leading a class action lawsuit against an app that has become a mainstay of American teen life, claiming its designers have done almost nothing to prevent the sexual exploitation of girls like her. Now before I go any further, Snapchat might be a terrible, evil piece of court, piece piece of shit corporation. Sorry, I was trying to, it's a Freudian slip. Are they solely responsible here, John Henry? Are they solely responsible for preventing the sexual exploitation of girls online? Or would that be, you know, maybe the family? Maybe the community, uh, such as like church leaders? Maybe even teachers. Teachers could do good things sometimes, right? I mean, hell, next door neighbors. Like, hey, hey girl, you're 12. Don't 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 put your stuff out there online. You'll you'll regret it later. You know those kind of things. Oh well. But uh, her case against Snapchat reveals a haunting story of shame and abuse inside a video messaging app that has for years flown under lawmakers' radar. Oh goody! I'm glad they're getting involved now. Now even as it has surpassed 300 million active users and built a reputation as a safe space for young people to trade their most intimate images, and thoughts. Sure it is. But it also raises difficult questions about privacy and safety, and it throws a harsh spotlight on the tech industry's biggest giants, arguing that the systems they depend on to root out sexually abusive images of children are fatally flawed. Yeah, the, 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 the proposition, folks, is always going to be, this is happening because you're not giving us enough power. It's happening because you have too much privacy. You have too much fucking money. We have to take some tax dollars away from you. You have too much liberty. You can't move here. You can't do this. You can't look at this online. You can't talk about these things. You can't even joke about them. That's where it goes to. That's what it all is. You want to say it's a slippery slope argument? 
it, 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 it could be slippery. It could be a slope, but they don't have to roll the fuck down at all at once. They like moving a little bit at a time. They just scooch their little stupid ass down like one inch at a time, just slowly down towards the bottom of the hill. But it also raises difficult questions about privacy and safety. It says, uh, there we go. There isn't a kid in the world who doesn't have this app. The girl's mother told the Washington Post. I'm sure there is. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of kids that don't have them. Like they have parents that know what the fuck they're doing. And yet an adult can be in correspondence with them, manipulating them over the course of many years. What word are they leaving out? What word are they leaving out? Oh, grooming. And the company does nothing. How does that happen? Well, that's because companies are supposed to groom nowadays. It's part of their ESG scores. Klaus will tell you about that shit. Now, in the lawsuit filed Monday in a California federal court, the girl requesting anonymity as a victim of sexual abuse and referred to only as LW, could appreciate that, and her mother accused Snapchat of negligently failing to design a platform that could protect its users from egregious harm. Now, you could stab your own fucking eye out with safety scissors, couldn't you, John Henry? Like, if I gave you a pair of, like, little, like, plastic bunny scissors that are made for your daughter, you could really fuck yourself up with a pair of those if you had to, right? Yeah, if you kept that picture of Rachel Levine up any longer, I may have went oh. that route. Yeah, and we're, we're not advocating self-harm. We're just saying for a, an example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, man, this is all about parenting. You know, unfortunately, we've gotten to a stage where, you know, parents are, are so preoccupied that they're essentially allowing social media platforms to raise their children and um, and really, <coughs> excuse me, mold their children and subsequently groom their children, to your point. And it's something that we have got to get away from because it is such a slippery slope. And you think about this is one person that has spoken out. Well, how many thousands, tens of thousands, or millions of children have been victimized this way? That the shame of it will never allow them to speak out. Or children that commit suicide because of this. I mean, it's, it's just astounding. And really, it, again, it all goes back to the parenting. Really, parents' awareness. You know, or do they just hand them the phone and go, you just, you know, get out of my hair. I've had a long work day. It's no good. Yeah. Well, speaking of exposing them and exposing nasty things, and we just talked about this too, um, about our military and what's happening to it. The man that she's speaking of, an active duty Marine. What a fucking shame that you brought on the Marines, you piece of shit, who is convicted last year of charges related to child pornography and sexual abuse in a military court, in a military court too. Not a regular court. So I wonder what kind of charges and other long lasting things and lists that that motherfucker gets on. I wonder if that's any different. Maybe you out there that know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to military stuff can let us know. Saved her Snapchat photos. He saved her Snapchat photos and videos and shared them with others around the web. A criminal investigation found. Chemical castration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On board. I'll, I'll, I'll thumbs that up. Yeah, if there's an online vote. Mm -hmm. um, now, it also says a chat, uh, Snapchat's parent company, Snap, has defended its app's core features of self-deleting messages and instant video chats as helping young people speak openly about important parts of their lives. Yeah, like sexual exploitation mm -hmm. and, and molestation. Yeah, of course. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah. And in a statement to the Post, the company said it employs the latest technologies 
and develops its own software to help us find and remove content that exploits or abuses minors. Now it says, while we cannot comment on active litigation, this is tragic and we are glad the perpetrator has been caught and convicted, the snap spokeswoman Rachel Rakusen said. Nothing is more important to us than, yeah, there we go. Nothing is more mm, important to us yeah. than safety. Sure. Safety. They've certainly proven that, huh? Safety. Now, founded in 2011, Santa Monica, California company. Ah, fuck them. Yeah, we know about Snapchat and their billions of dollars and how they've expanded. But I'd like to go down. Um, it says the app relies on an inherently reactive approach that waits until a child is harmed and places the burden on the child to voluntarily report their own abuse. The girls' lawyers wrote, These tools and policies are more effective in making these companies wealthier than protecting the children and teens who use them. And also all, all the information that they undoubtedly sell to make money off of, to God knows whom. Maybe, maybe Elon Musk is sending it to, to the portal to hell, like we talked about last week, along with everything that's on Twitter. But Apple and Google are also listed as defendants in the case. Good, because they deserve some of that ass whooping too, because of their role in hosting an app, Chitter, that the man had used to distribute the girl's images. I don't know about that, but both companies said they removed the app Wednesday from their stores following questions from the post. We talk about that name for a second. Is that yeah. child porn Twitter? I Is that don't where they get know. Chitter from? That sounds really nasty. It's maybe that's where Prague Agarwal is going to work uh, once uh, he gets fired by Elon Musk, you know, because I'm sure he has no moral compass and he would probably work at any place that would pay him. But um, it says an Apple spokesman, Fred Sainz, said in a statement that the app had repeatedly broken Apple's rules around proper moderation of all user generated content. Google spokesman Jose Casanada said the company is deeply committed to fighting online child sexual exploitation bullshit and has invested in techniques to find and remove abusive content. Yeah. Abusive content, like me just posting my political opinions, but Chitter's developers did not respond to requests for comment. The uh, suit seeks at least $5 million in damages, get them, and assurances that Snap will invest more in protection, but it could send ripple effects through not just Silicon Valley, but Washington. This is where it gets nasty by calling out how the failures of federal lawmakers to pass tech regulation have left the industry to police itself. Well, how dare anyone leave anyone to be able to police themselves? That just sounds like chaos. We can't possibly have that in our authoritarian fucking society, can we? But we cannot expect the same companies that benefit from children being harmed to go and protect them. That sounds reasonable. Um, <laughs> Girl's attorney said, uh, that's what the law is for. Eh, kind of. Uh, Brian Levine, a professor at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, who studies children's online safety and digital forensics, is not involved in the litigation, said the legal challenge, adds to the evidence that the country's lack of tech regulation has left pe young people at risk. How is it that all of the car makers and all the other industries have regulations for child safety? Except and for Big Pharma. Oh, yeah, Exactly. 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 I mean, and, and also, too, that most important industries, it says in America, has next to nothing. Um, exploitation results in lifelong victimization for these kids. That I agree with. 
And it's being fostered online platforms developed at what are essentially the biggest toy makers in the world. That I also agree with, Apple and Google. He added, they're making money off of these apps and operating like absentee landlords. Uh, yeah, but the way that they're connected, are they are they funding it directly? Are they directly are they encouraging it? You know, it's just like uh, if violence occurs on, uh, if, if I threaten somebody on Instagram tonight, John Henry, which you never know, not as young. Uh, if I did something like that, is it, uh, should Instagram be fucking, you know, fined by the government? Should they be sued by a, whatever private person or entity or anything that, because I, I don't really do that much ad hominem attacks on individuals outside of the political sphere. But say that just like Kamala Harris thought that it was nasty that I, I, said that her turkey neck looked like she goes a lot, right? And, and she wanted to sue uh, Instagram for me saying that if I, if I reposted that. Um, should Instagram be fucking liable? I, I don't think so. I think that's something that I did and I would proudly do and would do again. Good, good. But, uh, go no, ahead. but if you said I'm going to attack Kamala Harris yeah, five yeah, days yeah. before you did it, <laughs> on that platform i think that's different and the fbi would probably know and have me on a list and then remove me from set list before anything would go down of course of course and you'd be <laughs> removed from the list of life and they'd blame gab <laughs> but the fine was even wasn't even that active but in anti-Facebook, so it says, while most social social networks focus on a central feed, Snapchat, blah, 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 let's go down here. Um, it says, yes, in its early years, it was often derided as a sexting app. Uh, guaranteed it is. Uh, but its popularity has also solidified a more broadly accepted part of digital adolescence. Yeah, this is the digital adolescence that these uh, global corporatist oligarchs are creating for your children. A place for joking, flirting, organizing, and working through the joys and awkwardness of teenage life. I'm sure that's the way they're going to uh, put it in the commercial to them. But in the first three months of the year, Snapchat was the seventh most downloaded app in the world and saw twice as much as often as Amazon, Netflix, Twitter, or YouTube. Estimates from the analytics firm Sensor Tower show uh, Jennifer Stout, Snap's vice president of the global public policy, told a Senate panel last year that Snapchat was an antidote to mainstream social media and its endless feed of unvetted content. Okay. Uh, unsolicited dick pics or that? Okay. I, uh, people are in, in things and stuff that isn't infrastructure is infrastructure now. So I guess that's also uh, part of that endless feed of, you know, whatever. Okay. But Snapchat photos, videos, and messages are designed to automatically vanish once a recipient sees them or after 24 hours. But Snapchat's carefree culture has raised fears that it's made it's made it too easy for young people to share images they may one day regret. Shit. I mean, you can send stuff with a scanner, right? Like is HP, if I have an HP scanner, for instance, and I scan my balls into it to you, John Henry, and I send it to you. <laughs> and I don't want you to even picture out there listening what that could possibly look like. Especially if I put the lid all the way down and mash those bastards in there, right? <laughs> you got, now, if I do that, is it H, should you be able to sue HP for punitive damages for seeing my nuts? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, even the nuts thing doesn't make any sense, but I mean, just I'm reaching for examples here. Now, Paris groups also worry the app is drawing in adults looking to prey on a younger audience. Snaps has said it's accounts for the unique sensitivities and considerations of minors when developing the app, which now bans users younger than 18 from posting publicly in a place such as Snap Maps. Oh, find those balls on the Snap Map. 
and limits how often children and teens are served up as quick ad friend suggestions in other users' accounts. The app encourages people to talk with friends they know from real life and only allows someone to communicate with a recipient who has marked them as a friend. Now, the company said that it takes fears of child exploitation seriously. Sure. Um, In the second half of 2021, the company deleted roughly 5 million pieces of content and nearly 2 million accounts for breaking its rules around sexually explicit content. That's a lot. So if they were on the ball before that, how do you let 5 million and 2 million slip by? It's really a thing that they take seriously, folks. They take it seriously, and lo and behold, they find five fucking million examples of it all of a sudden. (laughs) Now, a transparency report said last month that says now. Hold on a second. Go go ahead. Yeah, I I think we need to put some emphasis on something in there. Uh Uh-huh. In the second half of 2021. Yeah. That's in a six-month period. That's it. Five million pieces of child pornography content. Two million accounts. 200,000 of those. Showing pictures or videos of child sex abuse. Yep. This is fucking horrific. That's all we got on that. I mean, but... Snap representatives have argued they're they're limited in their abilities when a user meets someone elsewhere and brings that connection to Snapchat. They're also cautioned against more aggressively scanning personal images, saying it could devastate users' sense of privacy and trust. Some of its safeguards, however, are fairly minimal. Snap says uh, users must be 13 or older, but the app, like many other platforms, doesn't use, here we go, age verification systems. Why are they tapping on government's door to come, you know, come solve this problem for us, John Henry? The problem with children sending pictures of themselves to fucking child predators. You're going to... So, you want to solve the problem of child predators? And you call the professional child predators in government to come solve this fucking problem? And you know how they're going to do it, John Henry? They're going to do it through their age verification system. Probably brought to you by Bill Fat Tittied Fucking Gates, right? It's going to be something, isn't it? It's going to be a digital mark. It's going to be a new ID. So there's your age verification system. Who owns the software that's going to do the age verification system? Does anybody want to wager against us here at the New Prisoners that it's going to be anybody else besides Fat Tits himself? <laughs> Maybe Elon. Elon's Elon's catching up to him in the, in the shit category at this point, motherfucker. So any child who knows how to type a fake birthday can create an account. Snap said it works to identify and delete the accounts of users younger than 13. And the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPPA, bans companies from tracking or targeting users under that age. Ah, I'm just going to end it there because, uh, I mean, just this, this article goes on and on and on and on and on. It's just, it's so, it's so disgusting to read through all these different things and how different organizations get involved. The FTC, of course, getting involved. But, I mean, John Henry, let's harken back to the old days. Let's harken back to the days of being 13 years old. If we were given Snapchat, what kind of shit could we have gotten ourselves into? Bad shit. <laughs> Oh, there's nothing good. Nothing good would have came no. of a 13-year-old number six. No. 
with no. all with Snapchat or no. anything like that. No, that would have been bad. Oh goodness! Thank goodness I didn't exist. Yep, I'm very happy. So the moral I lived of the story in the time is that I did. <laughs> parents, keep your fucking kids off of Snapchat, off of TikTok. <clears throat> you know who owns these organizations? Do you understand that those are some of the most intrusive social media platforms that exist on data collecting and mining? They can't regulate child pornography or fucking predators, but they can just suck every fucking ounce of data out of your children through those platforms. It's disgusting. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters, pay attention to what these kids are doing on their phones. Keep them off of these fucking platforms. Agreed. Now let's go, go on to more evidence that you should get your kids to fuck off of social media. Local authorities warn of social media scam that attempts to blackmail teen boys, men. Now, this is where it gets all Ed Buck on you. And if you don't know about that story, folks, if you want to go back a few episodes and hear about old Ed Buck, you can. Or you could just look up Ed Buck, Adam Schiff, and then go on from there. Uh, but Philadelphia... Authorities in Pennsylvania believe online scammers are posing as attractive women to coax teens and men into sending explicit pictures, then using the photos as blackmail to extort money. <laughs> so going back to your previous question of if we had this when we were 13. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How many pictures of that stuff would just been if it was solicited, if it was like, hey, I want to see that. Yeah, hey, I'm a man. Super I wouldn't hot even chick. know what to do with. Here's some pictures. I'd be too busy calling everybody Fuck. in the phone to tell them. I'd be like, "Yo, listen to this. Yeah, I did. this girl actually wants to see this shit." <laughs> I definitely would have been a victim <laughs> of blackmail. Oh god, yeah, I was such a potato back then. Yeah, there's no way I, I would have been got. There's no way that I would. Now, the Upper Moreland Township and Lower Moreland Townships Police Departments both issued warnings recently about a dangerous extortion scam. That involves phony Instagram and Snapchat accounts. The victims are contacted by a scammer who poses as an attractive woman and asks for pictures, according to the police. When the victim sends a picture, the scammer threatens to share the picture online unless a payment is made. Now, investigators in Lower Moreland Township described one instance where the scammer shared a teen's explicit picture with his contact list when he refused to pay. Wow. Now, we strongly encourage, that'd be an awkward day going back to eighth grade, wouldn't it? <laughs> Everybody would be like, oh, we already know. We saw him. We saw him in the shower. All right. <laughs> Investigators in Lower Moreland describe one instance. Oh, I already read that. We strongly encourage, it says, we strongly encourage you speak to your children. Thank God somebody's saying it, right? We strongly encourage you to speak to your children about this scam and their internet safety, a police bulletin read. Well, somebody at least half doing a, do, do a good job there at the police. Right. In at least three instances, investigators said T-Boys were contacted by a phony account on Instagram, then led to Snapchat, So, and then led, groomed, All right, where, where the criminal extorted the victim. I like the way that they, they explained that. That's an easy one to explain. That's what they do. <laughs> now, police in Upper Moreland Township said the scammers are believed to be from outside the United States. We advise the public to be aware of your friends list and all of your social media accounts, police said. Now, lastly, this is from Gizmodo. And this is a fucking nasty one. 
report, hackers have been sexually extorting kids with data stolen from tech giants. So as John Henry, as you know, and you, I, I know that you read ahead sometimes, but also that you're a pretty intuitive person. You like, you like reading the patterns, you know, you like figuring out where the puzzle pieces fit before you start working on the next part of the puzzle, right? But this says that criminals have been tricking tech giants into sending them sensitive user data. Of course, they're tricking them. <laughs> it's just a mistake. It's a, it's a hack, John Brennan says. <laughs> then use it to sexually blackmail users, a new report claims. And who else sexually blackmails people? Hmm. I wonder. Um, cyber criminals have been sexually extorting children and women using data stolen from large tech companies, according to a new report. Apple, Twitter, Google's parent company, Alphabet, Discord, mm, Meta, of course, and Snap Inc. have all recently handed over sensitive user information to criminals. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. Which has frequently been used to hack into victims' account or to initiate sextortion schemes against them, Bloomberg reports. Citing federal law enforcement and industry investigators, the data, which includes names, email addresses, and IP and physical addresses, gross, has been stolen using fake legal requests filed by the hackers. Sure. <laughs> the incidents appear to be part of a bizarre new cybercrime trend. Bizarre new trend that comes out of nowhere. Introduced you by maybe John Brennan. That involves criminals using hacked police email systems to acquire data via fake subpoenas. Wow. Fake subpoenas. <laughs> Who else has used doctored or fake subpoenas in the past few years, John Henry? Uh, how would hackers get their hands on a government agency's email account in the first place? <laughs> you have to ask, I guess. You could purchase such access on the dark web. Oh, I'm sure maybe you can. But if, but if you're Ross Albright, you go to jail forever for you know just having it exist. Uh, because police commonly request subscriber information during law enforcement investigations, many of these fraudulent requests have appeared legitimate to the companies involved. Wow, that's because police have access to your shit and then it exchanges hands into these hackers. Sure, okay. Now, according to sources that spoke to Bloomberg, the hackers <laughs> would sometimes use the basic subscriber information to hack, it says, into victims' accounts. You mean like using their username and password? That's hacking? Uh, I guess on the lighter, on the reductionist end of it, I guess. But aren't they? I mean, they're basically being given it. Um, in other cases, the hacker would use the information to befriend the victim, groom them, and encourage them to share explicitly sexually explicit material, grooming them. If the victim refused, the hackers would frequently threaten them with various forms of online harassment, including swatting and doxing. Just like in the political realm. Wow, look at all that all just lines up. They all use the same fucking playbook, don't they? Maybe they all go to the same Satanist temple that made that, uh, uh, that statement that John Henry read to us earlier. The requests for sexual images would escalate into outright blackmail. Most disturbingly, this get this, yeah. In several cases, victims have allegedly been pressured 
to carve a cyber criminal's name into their skin and share pictures of the wound. Man, I've listened to some disgusting death metal. But that's, that's, wow, that's impressive. Now, many of the perpetrators of these schemes are believed to be teenagers, some of whom are based in the U.S., according to Bloomberg. It's not totally clear how many times this happened, of course, when it happened, or even what company's data was used in these sextortion schemes. Who knows at all? But, you know, there's not otherwise a whole lot of information available about this horribleness. They called it that. Although I think I speak for everybody when I say, yuck. Yes, indeed. It's creepy enough to imagine hackers posing as cops to steal personal information. What they're apparently doing with the information is 10 times worse. We've reached out to the companies listed above for comment. Meta spokesperson Andy Stone told Gizmodo that the company reviews every data request for legal sufficiency and use advanced systems in process to validate law enforcement requests and detect abuse. A Discord representative, meanwhile, told us that they validate all emergency data requests by checking that they come from a genuine source and have systems in play to prevent abuse, including flagging domains known to be com- compromi- or compromised from making requests. Now, a Google spokesperson told Bloomberg, we don't care, we're Google, we're going to get away with it, and that's about it. But um, that, that, is, that about wraps up that, uh, that little segment there. But uh, John Henry, your, your final thoughts? on this and maybe for this week get your kids off these platforms for the fourth time yes it's just uh it's just grotesque man it's it's just changed communication and socializing or lack thereof on such a massive scale and you know kids would <coughs> excuse me what you got that, that corona yeah. um that omicron omnicon um, you know, kids want to be validated and as less and less socializing is happening, especially throughout the pandemic, they go to these places, they go to these places for companionship and camaraderie and friendship and a community. And there's some evil, dark fuckers lurking in there and you don't know who your kids are talking to guys. So maybe ask yourself the question like number six and I have asked us ourselves, what if that was me when I was 13 on that platform? Well, folks, if the answer to your question is similar to ours, then get your kids off of that shit. Even if it's not the same answer as ours, get your kids off of that shit. It's just unfortunate. Um, it's just a perpetual assault on our children. They want to change their gender. They want to sexualize them. They want to extort them. They're, they're coming full speed ahead. And the only thing that wins this war is a family. And it's a family unit and it's a community. So it's, uh, it's critical. Critical, critical, critical. Um, speaking of family, one last thing kind of off topic here. I wanted to uh, run by you real fast here to wrap up this week. So Jen Saki Puppet, her time has come to an end. Um, oh. I will not miss that vile, disgusting pig. Not one bit. But her replacement... Green Jean Pierre. How do you feel about the fact that uh, our new press secretary is in a long-time relationship with Suzanne Malveaux, who is a CNN correspondent and anchor? So now, literally, our government is in bed with the media. Literally. 
What do you think of that? To wrap up the week. Well, as we've been saying, um, and as we've kind of described the, the type of people that uh, we resist, that we oppose, that, uh, that we expose, um, is that they always have to do that thriller look into the camera at the end. You know, they always have to reveal themselves like serial killers do and notes and other things. They can't just get away with the evil. It's not good enough. It's not fun enough. Like to just steal something. It, some people get exhilaration out of that. But to pull out a gun and rob somebody, that's that's a different level, I'm sure, of of like adrenaline that you receive from that kind of instance. So for these people, I think for them, they get off on it. Like they're they're in that point where they're so sick and they're so morally depraved and they're so devoid of any type of like moral compass or like any guidance or principles that they they simply just bend and give themselves over to evil. And we've been warned about this for like, I don't know, a couple thousand fucking years or something. So, I mean, I, I guess that, you know, it's really maybe if we've been paying more attention to uh, these types of uh, uh, character traits, if you will, in leaders and people and others that uh, maybe we wouldn't just say, oh, let's be tolerant of that. Like, that, let's end on this. We're very tolerant here in the Liberty Movement. We're tolerant of a lot of shit. We love pretty much everybody. You know, Jesus built our hot rod and all we want to do is love you, baby. But when it comes down to it, like I said before, if I build a giant flotilla out in the middle of the ocean, you know, where I can have my own law and create my own little society, I'd invite pretty much everybody except for these kind of fucking people. The people that would want children to carve carve their fucking screen name into their God knows what and post pictures of it to them. That type of shit I can't get down with. That's some real. What was that one dude, John Henry, back in the day that you told me, Albert Fish? Or something like that's some Albert Fish kind of crazy shit. Albert was the worst fish in the sea. Oh boy, was was he ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when it comes down to it, though, like that type of abuse, you can call it different things. You can call it evil. You can call it satanic. You can call it just wrong. And I read something earlier, just to, to finish up this week's episode. I read something earlier online about how the American experiment. In liberty was something that it, it we're, we're kind of the exception to the rule that most of what occurs on earth has been tyranny has been subjugation has been slavery but until us we we gave an example and i was thinking about that earlier and i was thinking about why why are we the example why are we the exception Because we're the only right fucking answer. That's why. There's only one right or moral way to do this. Forward is forward. Two plus two equals four still. And men are men and fucking women are women. Until we meet again. Until we are free. We are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack. Or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us. Or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us. And remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. 
If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.